Um, it's interesting, when, we, um, when Phil and I decided the date that this was going to happen, uh, we did it independently of my diary, so we just knew that there was an available mini bike. That's what we've just had, a 15 minute section. Uh, I didn't look at the preaching rotor. When I got to the preaching rotor and I realized I was preaching, and I was preaching on unity, I smiled. Because as street pastors, we come from every different Christian kind of background that you can imagine. Uh, most of our brothers and sisters that you see here today are either bunking off their own church or their churches meet in the afternoon so they were blessed enough to be able to come. Uh, probably about 20-30% of the team here, obviously everyone else is in their church. Now if we were to focus on the things we had in difference, we wouldn't work. We would never come together. It would take me about 30 seconds to get the team together, say three things, and they would all storm out. We could talk about church tradition, we could talk about tithing, we could talk about women in leadership, we could talk about any other divisive issue that you want to draw out of scripture. So why do we work? Why is there unity within the Ascension Trust and the work they do? It's because we focus on the things that we do have in common. The love of Jesus, the gospel, and the call of God on our life. Today I'm going to talk to you about unity. Today I'm going to talk to you specifically from Ephesians 4. So you'll be surprised to hear that on Tuesday I went to a leaders meeting and the lady preaching, she's a phenomenal preacher, was preaching on Ephesians 4 and she was preaching on unity. It was beautiful. The way she described unity, it resounded in my spirit. You remember a few weeks ago Keith talked about what I would discuss as the the operational or the structural side of unity. We all have a different part to play. Jesus is the head of the body. We all have, we're all different parts. The hand is not the foot, the foot is not the eye, the mouth is not the hand. Uh, The hand wouldn't say to the foot, I don't need you. The ear wouldn't say to the nose, I want to be an ear. We all have a different part to play. Remember, I talked to you a bit more specifically a few weeks ago about operating within your gifting. So identifying whether you were a foot or an eye or a mouth or an ear. But unity is far more than this, and I've spent a whole week praying for this. Because I think this is a great opportunity for us to go deeper into the understanding of what unity means as a church, what unity means as Christians. Just imagine before we start, in every church, in this church, we have people from every different background, at every stage of life. Everyone has a truly diverse story. Everyone is at different stages of their faith journey. And that's before we start talking about money or theology or any other subject. Fashion, for example. Some of us clearly like wearing blue t-shirts. Some of us don't. But we are a truly diverse bunch. So how can we come together in one place, in unity, if we are so different? with such different opinions, such different worldviews, such different backgrounds, how can we come together? It forced me to look into what unity was and what unity wasn't. Have you ever found that in your, in your life when you're trying to figure something out? Sometimes it's best to start with what it isn't. And it kind of helps you narrow down what it might be, what it is. It almost sounds the wrong way around, but to me I've always found that very helpful. On this occasion, I forgot. So I went and found unity in the Oxford English Dictionary. It says, unity is the state of different areas or groups being joined together to sing a formal, to form a single country or organisation. 
It's interesting that they've assumed that when somebody would be looking for the word unity, it wasn't about themselves or their family. It was something bigger. It was something external. So is, is unity an external word? I wonder what the internal word might be. So there's often support for unity in economics or in trade or in industry to promote growth or prosperity. There's a couple of words there that you wouldn't associate with the faith or with church, but there's a couple of words that you would, right? We'd want to see the kingdom grow. For example, you'd want to see a Christian prosper. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. So what is unity not? Unity, when there is unity, people are in agreement and act together for a particular purpose. So if they don't, the obvious one would be to say disunity. I've actually written down about 30 words. Can I go through them? Because I think different people may resonate with different ones of these. If you are not in unity, the obvious one is disunity. How about discord? Not a word we use every day. How about disagreement? It's a common phrase today, isn't it? Let's agree to disagree. But I'm telling you now that disagreement is disunity. Discordance, conflict, schism, disharmony, disaccord, quarreling. It's funny, if I asked each of you in this room what you thought a quarrel was, I don't think we'd find an answer. I think we'd find a scale. It wasn't an argument. We just had a disagreement. How do you find the difference? Quarrelling is disunity. Alienation. Mm. <clears throat> we don't use that word in church, do we? We come at it from the other angle. We call them cliques. But if you think about it, if there's a clique, then there is alienation. Because not everybody is in your clique. How about argument? Dissidence. Difference of opinion. It's cutting close to the bone now, guys, isn't it? Because even I will stand here and tell you that I'm not going to tell you what to believe. I'll preach to you what I believe out of the Holy Bible, out of the Scripture, out of God's given word. But I'm not going to force my belief system on you. So do we all have differences of opinions? How about division, dissent, dissension, split, variance, strife, friction, a breach or a rupture, feuding, disaffection or estrangement? How many of you can recognise those words or those meanings within your own life? I certainly can. Division for me certainly sounded. Disagreement, almost certain. Quarrelling. I'm a non-conflict kind of guy. Which is a real problem when you're a straight talker. Because I will speak truth, but I will try and speak truth with love and with kindness. If somebody chooses not to receive that, that's up to them. Perhaps I should press that, that wound a little bit harder than I sometimes do to make sure that they've heard what's been said. But I don't. I don't like disagreement. I don't like quarrelling. Sometimes I suffer because of that, and I think sometimes the person I'm talking to suffers because they don't hear what's being said. They continue in their pain. So why am I talking to you about unity and disunity? We get to it in Ephesians 4. We're starting at the beginning. We go through to chapter 7. As a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul writing, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling 
you have received. I spoke to you about that a few weeks ago. As Christians, regardless of your background, I'm aware we have people from different churches here today. I'm aware we have people that aren't saved here today. I'm aware that, even worse, we've had people that have been Christians for 45 years here today that may think they're beyond this teaching. You're not. I've been a Christian for over 20 years, and I have to remind myself of these things daily. Be completely humble. Be completely gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. We can read through that really fast and go, yeah, well, we know that's what being a Christian means. Of course it is. We're trying to be like Christ and he was humble, gentle, patient, loved and was in unity. He was in the ultimate unity, remember. He was in the triunity, the trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. To him, unity is not an alien word. But as humans, can we honestly say we're humble? Are we gentle? Are we patient? Are we bearing with one another in love? It goes on to say, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One God and one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, the grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. We may not be the most humble, gentle, patient, or loving people, but you have been afforded the grace to be those things. Do you remember the difference between grace and mercy? We talked about it some months ago. It's funny, isn't it? Christians, we talk about these things all the time. We never think about why do we buy the different words? Grace and mercy. Grace is you receive something that you don't deserve. Mercy is that you don't receive something that you do deserve. I do not deserve to have the love of God in my life. I don't deserve his forgiveness, but through his grace, I've got it. Some of the things I did before I was a Christian, some of the things I've thought since I've been a Christian, I don't deserve his love and his forgiveness, but through his mercy, I still get it. I mentioned the woman I was listening to preaching during the week. She made me smile because I've preached to you a number of times before about love being a verb. Love is a choice. In 2019, all we hear about, especially around February time, is that love is a feeling. If you go on Snapchat or Instagram, all you hear about is, I feel this way about this person. Watch Love Island. Don't watch Love Island. It's appalling. Okay, it's appalling. But just imagine that, what they define as love is a feeling or an infatuation. When Jesus talks about love in the Bible, it's a choice that we make. Whether you're a street pastor or you do it through cap, whether you're just a neighbor, a mother, a daughter, a brother, a son, when you love, you first choose to love. She stood and said, unity, like love, is a choice. At that moment, I thought I was the only person in the room because who else says that love is a verb? I took it from a a woman who I met who had been abused by her father and she managed to forgive him and love him. She never maintained a relationship with him. But when describing her testimony to me, she said that I had to make the choice to love because love is a choice. I've never heard anyone else say it. So when this woman said, like love, 
Unity is a choice, I thought, and I knew she was speaking to me. It reminded me of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Do you remember the fruit of the Spirit? If you are saved, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't need to go through some special ceremony. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, this should be your fruit. Love. Go straight for the jugular. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. You can see some real commonalities there, can't you, between that and Ephesians. In fact, Paul goes one step further and talks about humility. It's funny, isn't it? As humans, the very first thing we did, humans, mankind, men and women together, are not going to separate us here, is we tried to become God. The serpent came to us in the garden and said, if you take of that fruit, you will be like God. You will know the difference between good and evil. The punishment when God came along and said, now man cannot take from the tree of eternal life because he has become like us. Because we know good from evil. Incidentally, it's not what I'm preaching on today. The second thing we did was blame him. Do you remember? Eve said, no, it wasn't my fault, God. The serpent tricked me. What did Adam say? This woman you gave me, she made me do it. You gave me this woman. It's your fault. You gave her to me. You made her that way. It's interesting, when we talk to non-believers, when we're doing Alpha or any other kind of outreach, one of the things we come up against, one of the most common statements is, yeah, but if God exists, then God made me this way. No, he didn't. He made you perfect beautifully, wonderfully, creatively made. We're living in a broken world. The reason we are the way we are is partly through influence. So never be that one who says, I am the way I am because God made me this way. You're not. Seek him, draw closer to him, and then you'll realize who you're supposed to be in him. Unity is a choice. Yesterday I was driving home with all of this in mind thinking how am I going to talk to my brothers and sisters from two different worlds from living word and from the street pastors because I knew you'd all be here about unity because of course when you talk about one thing everyone jumps to the other don't they why is Ricky preaching on unity does he think we're in disunity when I ask us to be a certain way or do a certain thing the first reaction is, why are we not like that? Do you not see that? Are you telling us off? Yeah, maybe. Maybe some of you. This is not like a wholesale view. I've not seen disunity in the church and preach on this today. We're going through the book of Ephesians. But I think some of this will speak to you today. I started to pray and I said, Lord, I need your love now like never before. Then it occurred to me, it's not like never before. I know that's not what the phrase means. But my personal revelation yesterday was, I need your love now, like always before. I have never been able to do anything without his love. Do you remember, we can love because he first loved us. So as you go away, we're going to have teas and coffees. As you go away this week and you think about unity, 
I want you to think about the way you relate to one another. We've done the how do we relate to the body, remember? We've done the personal walk, what part do I play? Now I want you to think about how you relate to one another. Could I give you some specifics without creating any kind of division? Next week we're going on a bring and share picnic. Some of you might say, I don't like Shubriness, I want to go to Southend, or I want to go to Leon C. <clears throat> Get over it. Get over it. We're going to Shubriness, East Beach, straight after church. Some of you might say, I don't want to bring and share my picnic, I have very specific tastes. I want to bring my own food and have it all to myself. Think yourself likely. In the Bible, they sold all of their possessions and laid them at the apostles' feet. I'm asking you to bring a few extra sandwiches for those who may not be able to bring their own. Don't bring just enough for yourself. Go and buy some treats. I can tell you there are those in you here today that can afford to buy special treats. We all know what they are. I look the way I look because of special treats. <laughs> not everybody here can afford special treats. We are going on a bring and share lunch. This is an opportunity to bless one another, not complain. This is a micro issue. This is not massive. But I tell you this now, because I live out there. I don't live in here, whether it's on a Friday night with street pastors, whether it's 58.7 and the feeding, whether it's just getting my hair cut, whether it's walking around the supermarket, or I've joined badminton clubs and gyms so that I can meet more and more people. I can tell you that they are preaching just as much as we are. They're not preaching the truth, but they are doing it better than us. Because they're preaching peace and love and tolerance. It's about that thick. It's like a, it's like a crust along the surface. If you scratch it, it disappears. But they are preaching love and peace and acceptance. If they come into the church where they're expected to find those things, right? Do they? Do they? Or do they get shouted at for coming late? Do they forget to come on the teas and coffees rotor? We've been talking about the setup team. Do you know how hurtful it is to be on rotor, to not turn up and leave your teammates in the lurch? If we look at the fruits of the spirit, is that kindness? Street pastors, Gwyn asks us for our dates, for our availability for our patrol weeks, and if not months in advance. How kind is it to Gwyn to not give them until the last minute? It's appalling. We're supposed to be leading the way with this. And I think deep down in our hearts, we have so much more love, compassion, and unity than the world does. But guys, we have got to get better at showing it. It's there. It's in your heart. I know it. I can see it. That's a waste on me because I'm already saved. We're in a season as a church. Sorry guys, be blessed by this too. But we're in a season right now where we need discipleship and we need hospitality. And we need it like never before. A year ago, 
this church looked like it did the year before. Let's be honest. There was very little change in that 12-month period. We were all friends and we all knew one another. I'm not saying you were a clique. I'd get told off if I said that, wouldn't I? But now look around you. There are people that come that say, Ricky, Ricky, who's that? I don't know that person. I say, well, you should, because they've been coming for the last six weeks. Where have you been? Have you invited them for dinner? Doubt it. Because you've got your own routine, right? You have your own life. Have you invited them out for coffee? Do you even have their telephone number? Insta, Snapchat, depending on which generation you are, okay? If you want to get their landline number, I'm fine with that. I don't have one, by the way. But we are now in a season of hospitality and of discipleship. Let's get our heads around that. We need to get better at revealing our true selves. I'm not asking you to be something you're not. Maybe if you're not, you need to seek the Holy Spirit and change. But I actually believe you all are loving and kind, gentle and patient. But we're just not very good at showing. Can I pray for you? And then we're going to go out singing. Hilary, you want to sing an extra song? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you first loved us so that we might love the world. Love, I, Lord, I love you and I trust you. But Lord, we need your help today to do that better. Because we do love you. And we do love one another. And we want to see the world saved and living in harmony. There used to be a song about that. But we cannot do that unless you show us how. So Lord, soften our hearts, soften our minds, soften our thoughts, our feelings, soften our words. Highlight those to us that feel alone, highlight those that need a bit of hospitality. And let us be those people this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.